and welcome to Is This Anime? I am your quote-unquote anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And joining me uh, for the first time, brand new guest, Anthony Demare. How are you, bro? Very good. Salute. Nice to see you, Jack. <laughs> Anthony, uh, you're a longtime friend of mine. You finally have made it onto the podcast, a podcast well into the 90s. We are approaching episode 100, which is fucking awesome. I know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's amazing. Uh, it's it's crazy that we have produced something just this many times, whether it's huge or not. We've just I've done it. I've done it. Malcolm's done it. May may his soul rest uh, where he he is. He's alive. He's alive. Malcolm has not died. You're gonna I'm carry not gonna... it over the finish line, the 100 episode finish line. And it looks like we've got more. There was a time where I was like, "Shit, can we make it to 100?" Now it looks like things are good. So it will it will go beyond 100, which is fantastic. And in celebration of that, we are returning to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, before we get into JoJo, uh, Anthony, what is your anime experience? Tell the audience what's what's your experience. I mean, have you what what have you watched? And start with whatever. Even Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball counts as anime. Remember? Okay. Okay. I was I, I didn't know like if I was supposed to say Dragon Ball like Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z, um, One Punch Man, Attack on Titan. You know, like the more recent uh, Dracula, uh, Castlevania, um, like those kind of things, like pretty mainstream stuff. Um, but I do, I do enjoy it. Um, I don't have a ton of anime experience, but like, I generally speaking, if somebody recommends me something, it's because they, they kind of know what I would like. And usually, when I do watch anime, I do like it if it's based off a recommendation, like yours. I like this one. That's a shock because I thought I was going to fuck with you and you were going to be like, fuck, this sucks. This is, I've made you watch six episodes of something that <laughs> you're just struggling to, with. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint, man. I found it really like fun. I don't know. This is awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We first covered JoJo. I think it was our second episode of Is This Anime. We've covered it um, now four subsequent times, which is awesome. So, Anthony, just because it's been a while since we've covered JoJo, I'm going to give you um, a brief summary. If you want the extensive summary, you can listen to episode two way back, because that's the, that's the deep dive into the history of JoJo. Um, but, uh, All the Anthony, way back to episode two. Wow. Okay, yeah, but I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the small version. Exactly. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, okay. First, first off, it's, it's fair to assume this is based off a of manga, as most uh, anime are. Uh, Anthony, when do you think the manga started? Just give me a year. This one? Okay, based off what I watched, like mid-2000s, like 2005, 2006? Uh, this, this manga, well, first of all, you were watching, because we were watching Golden Wind, which is the fifth arc, so that makes it even more complicated. But the manga itself of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, oh shit, I just lost it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it started in 1987. It was running around... Uh, at the same time as Dragon Ball, like just before Dragon Ball even got into the Z saga, uh, which is crazy. So this series was created by uh, Hirohiko Araki, and it is still ongoing. Um, so like I just wow. said, Golden Wind is the fifth arc of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. The ninth arc is starting on February 17th. In case, again, as I told you before when this podcast started, each arc is somewhat uh, self-contained. The first arc, and this is going to be the fun part, Anthony, the first arc starts off in the late 1800s in Victorian England, where Jonathan Joestar fights his uh, evil stepbrother Dio 
and Dio becomes a vampire man. <laughs> oh my god. Is, that, is it like Victorian steampunk kind of yep. thing going on? That's, that sounds kind of cool, man. I mean, um, how, okay, look, how long has this show been being so, produced? Like the show, not just like the, the, the original text. So this adaptation officially started in 2012. It was done by David Productions. Um, and they've ad- they have adapted it from the the previous JoJo adaptations were all focused on the third arc, um, which is Stardust Crusaders, which is known as the most iconic one. Um, and that like when people when people the the Goku, if you will, the Goku of JoJo is the character Jotaro Kujo because Jotaro Kujo he appears in parts three through six of Jojo. Um, he's the guy we'll get into Jotaro Kujo in a bit when we actually watch, uh, talk about the episodes. But anyways, I'm just going to give you a brief summary of the arcs you did not see. So yeah, part one, Jonathan Joestar in the late 1800s fights his, uh, evil stepbrother Dio who becomes a vampire man. Part two is set in the 1930s where, uh, Joseph Joestar, the grandson of Jonathan fights off against three immortal men known as the pillar men. Uh, depression era jojo <laughs> depression era jojo um who later becomes a real estate developer so he becomes like a oh, powered hughes uh, <laughs> part three stardust crusaders takes place in the the late 80s which at the time of the manga was like kind of present day and it does star jotaro kujo jotaro along with his uh, grandfather joseph go on a road trip across uh egypt to uh fight a newly resurrected dio brando and it also introduces the concept of stands. So the concept of stands is not even featured in the first two arcs. The first two arcs okay, are focused. So, so that's that's one of the things I wanted to clear up. Like I, I wanted to know if this concept of the stands, um, and I didn't watch any of the other like the the other offerings from this from this theory. Only the Golden Wind. Um, yeah. So the stands is a part of the ecosystem. It's not just this this like this Golden Wind. Yeah, stands are stands are a part of the JoJo universe as of part three and also into what will be presumably part nine. Um, in parts one and two, it is just a concept called Hamon. And basically, Araki was like, I think this concept is kind of boring. I'm going to change it up. So instead of just starting a new series, he just is like, hey, this is a new power concept as of part three. Part three barely even explains why Hamon isn't a thing anymore. They're just like, nope. We've got a new power concept, and it's way cooler. It can tell way better stories. So that's just what the series is about now. That's so cool, man. Like, it's, yeah. Um, it's dope. So, yeah, part three, uh, Jotaro and his uh, grandfather and a couple other companions, they fight uh, Dio and his minions. They take Dio down. And then part four is like a cool down. It takes place in a small uh, town in Japan where Jotaro tracks down Joseph's illegitimate son uh josuke and instead of being like an end of the world story it's just a bunch of like crazy stuff happening in a small town it's basically anime twin peaks there's like a serial killer and that's the main villain so it's kind of a cool down arc and then yeah we get to golden wind which is italian gangsters where uh dio brando's uh son uh giorno giovanna is the lead character. There's no and then, relation to Dio from the prior thing that you just talked about, right? No, this is it, there's a relation to that Dio. So he is the there son. Is. Yeah, he is the yes. son of the main villain. Okay, that's what I... Okay, that, that makes sense now. Because, uh, yeah, that's... 
Yeah, because you hear his name floated around in the first yeah. like six episodes. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. But, go ahead. Dio, yeah. So Dio is defeated in part three, but uh, remnants mm. of Dio still linger uh, in the series. Interesting. Okay. And then I'm like uh, writing all these notes down. I I don't even know why I'm writing them down. I'm just interested in the in the in the universe now. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, why not? I'm going to continue. So part six uh, focuses on Jotaro's daughter, Jolene Cujo. She is uh, taken to a prison called uh, Dolphin, uh, Dolphin Street Prison, and she's framed for murder. And then a disciple of Dio uh, named Enrico Pucci uh, gets involved with that. And then here's where it gets crazy. Um, part seven, eight, and nine take place in an alternate universe. And then so you see an alternate version of uh, Jonathan Joestar, but instead of uh, him fighting Dio, like Dio being his stepbrother, it's they're instead on a road trip, um, a horse, a horse, uh, a country, a cross country horse race with a $50 million reward called the Steel Ball Run. The villain of it is the president of the United States, whose name is Funny Valentine. And then Part eight is a remix of part four, which is set in the same town, but it's different characters because it's a remixed universe and it's called Joe Jolian. And that part ended about a year ago. And now as of February 17th, a new arc will start called the Jojo lands. Uh, this is still ongoing. The author is in his sixties. Uh, presumably Jojo lands will be the final arc. Um, considering that uh, part seven and eight uh, switched to a monthly magazine. They were no longer weekly, so it took much longer for their stories to finish. So he could be well into his 70s when Jojo Lance finishes. Wow. Yeah. So Hirohiko Araki, he's, uh, yeah, 62 years old. He'll be 63 in June. So he's just been doing... Cool, that's a pretty cool, like, ecosystem that he's, like, created. Like, yeah. Yeah, and there's also, like, multiple spinoffs. Um there is a popular character called Rohan, who is a manga artist from uh, part four, and he has his own set of spinoffs. A couple of his short stories even got adapted for Netflix. So the JoJo ecosystem is alive and well. Uh, part four also had a live action movie, but it only targeted uh, the first arc of part four, and it never got finished because it did poorly at the box office. But yeah, there is a, there is a live action JoJo. It's not the oh, whole story wow. of it, but it exists. I'd be very interested in watching that, man. It's, it's not that bad. I figured with like the, the budget of, you know, a, a Japanese special effects driven film, it, it would look really bad. But, you know, it's a valiant effort. I've seen worse anime adaptations. I think Golden Wind would cause me trauma if I watched <laughs> if I if I watched that as a live feature. I think that would cause me trauma. Just just the outfits alone would cause me trauma. Uh, <laughs> Would it? I, I love. I love the outfits, though. I, do, I, do, I did love the outfits. The the funny thing too is, um, there's that series Full Metal Alchemist, um, and that that had a, a live action Japanese adaptation. But the characters are all European. But it was done with a, an all Japanese cast, which means it was like an example of reverse uh, uh, whitewashing. Because like the the author of the manga was like, no, I wrote this about like. This is like set in a version of Europe and the cast is all Japanese. That is not correct. The story I'm telling. Can we talk about like, like that for a second, like in the golden wind, like the environment, one of the things I, I, I absolutely loved. I don't know if I'm allowed to, to swear yeah. in this. I, I've, been, I've been, I've been on the verge of saying the F word like a million times, but oh, you anyways, can say that. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, fuck. Um, anyway, anyways, um, one of my, one of my favorite things is like the actual world that this thing is set in the golden wind in like Naples, it's Naples, right? Napoli. Like, I love the way the city looks. I love like the, the, the colors are so vibrant in this, like, and, and that's reflected all the way down into like the fashion that the people wear. That's why I brought up the costumes. It's something that I thought was like really, a really cool thing about, about this show was like the way that the fashion and the colors and and the the architecture of this show looked. It just looked really good. Um, I don't know how you felt about that. Yeah, again, I, I'm a I'm a JoJo fan. I get, I've read the manga. I'll be reading JoJo Lands when it premieres, of course. So yeah, the the art style of JoJo is so fun. I think my one disappointment, um, and I got used to it, was the fact that this dub didn't have silly Italian accents. The uh, yeah. the first two parts. <laughs> The first two parts of the dub uh, had a ton of uh, uh, debatable accents. I think they were doing crazy accents because of just the tone of the series. And then as of part three, they were just like, no, everyone's just going to talk um, American, well, basically. Well, you, you, you know that you, you've known that like part of my family is Italian, like from Italy. Right. So I, I have some familiar. I speak a bit of Italian myself. Right. And so <laughs> one of the. Funny things I noticed about this was the constant like inserts of the Italian words in the, in the English like uh, audio like uh, version. Um, the words bastardo <laughs> was used incredibly frequently, which I found hilarious. And cazzo, like like they just insert these Italian words into it, and I and it made me laugh every single time. Yeah, it's fun, man. All right, let's get it. Let's get into the deep dive of these six episodes. Okay. So we're. Co- we're covering episodes one to six. We open up with a tourist who has her bag stolen. Um, he gives Koichi. part of the money. Oh, no, that's not Koichi. We're talking like, I'm talking like background extras. I'm oh, talking, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This like lady tourist, she gets her uh, bag stolen. And um, the thief gives part of it to a cop. So we see that this is a corrupt world. We're, we're introduced mm. to that concept. We see a drug addict struggling with a dealer. And then Giorno notices the thief take the girl's wallet and he returns it to the girl. But you know, Giorno, yeah. Giorno isn't completely noble because the girl, she sees a butterfly uh, uh, fly out of her bag and that butterfly returns to Giorno and transmutes itself into money. So, um, again, you did not know what stands were. What was, what was just your first reaction to like, okay, what the fuck is this? Yeah, well, I was like, well, he must have some. <laughs> I'm like an idiot. I was like, wow, he's got this weird, like, power thing, right? I mean, I mean, you see it manifest itself multiple times throughout those first yeah. six episodes um, that he has this kind of, like, ability. I thought it was really cool. When I first saw it, like, happen, I was like, oh, wow, that, that, that's really interesting. Yeah, so the stand abilities, again, it's so interesting watching JoJo progress because, like, in part three, the main characters, their powers are... Their stands are basically just Pokemon. There's like my stand is a sword guy. He he cuts. My guy my stand is a punch guy. He punches. My stand uh, shoots stones out of his hand. He throws stones. And then as the series goes on, the stands become more and more specific. So when you're tossed into part five, you're like, okay, the lead character's ability is transmutation, and yes. you can tell do a lot of different fights with that ability. One hundred percent. Um, I mean, like all the stands, one of the things I noticed about this, all the stands had like these extremely unique properties. I don't know, like, I don't really want to break your sequence here, but like, um, yeah, let's go for it. 
like to jump forward, but like there was like the shadow dwelling stand, um, where I think it was Popol's stand. If I'm, am I correct yeah. in that? I think, and he like, like, like he, he only was in the shadows. Like he was only able to like actually damage people in, in shadows and like transmutate from like shadow to shadow. And I thought it was so cool that like each one of these stands has like a very specific uh power type um it's something i haven't really seen before but i get what you're saying about like it's a, a, even comparable to something like pokemon where it's just these unique abilities yeah and i think you know you and me were familiar with dragon ball z and i don't want to say dragon ball has bad fight choreography i think there's some incredible fights in dragon ball but the powers are certainly kind of you know it's mostly energy blasts and punching and then you know occasionally another character like piccolo will have something weird but but certainly a lot of the fights in Dragon Ball, even the best ones, are just, you know, two dudes uh, shouting really loudly and shooting a beam out of their hands, you know? 100%. Whereas this, like, there's some wacky, like, stand abilities. Like, an episode, I just, like, just before we jumped on here, I watched the last, like, episode that you recommended, like, episode six of yeah. Golden Wind. And there was, like, a zipper, like, tear through fabric and space-time stand ability. I was like, that is, like, bizarre. Which I guess like plays to the name of the show, but like it was really cool, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, you saw that part, right? Abs- well, again, I've seen this entire series. Uh, this oh, is, okay, like, you've already seen it. You've already seen yeah. it. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm yeah. a JoJo expert. Uh, I've read the manga <laughs> and stuff. Um, I love the series. But yeah, so our villain of the first episode is a guy named Leaky-eyed Luca. He beats an underling with a shovel, and he learns that Giorno Giovanna is working behind his back. And uh, he, he kills his underling with a uh, shovel. Uh, he does yeah, not reward him. I feel him. so bad for that guy. I thought he might let him go, but no. Like Leaky Eye Luca, who's a, I, I, who I thought was going to be an absolute menace. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this guy is like, this guy is dangerous, right? Like, I'm like, that's what I thought. I thought they were setting this guy up to be like the main baddie, right? But anyways, like, yeah, like that, that was that was a that was a dope scene. Yeah, and so meanwhile, Koichi, uh, who is a character from Part Four, just a lovable guy, um, he runs into Giorno. Giorno offers him a ride, but he charges him uh, ten thousand lire. Um, so, so this takes place like around two thousand two. It it takes place before the euro uh, was a thing in Italy. Yeah, because you hear the word lira. Yeah. Um, so that would have been right before. It was in like two thousand three, two thousand. For, I believe that the euro started being used in Italy. Yeah, so this uh, this manga itself that this is adapted from was, uh, I think part five was written in maybe like 97, 98-ish, maybe 99. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, he was setting this in slightly the near future, but not quite. So anyways, uh, yeah, Giorno offers him a ride, but he charges him 10,000 lire. And then he takes off with Koichi's luggage before he can uh, get in the car. But unfortunately for Giorno, Koichi is a stand user, and it's Koichi's stand who we first see in full. Um, so this is a, this is a stand. Uh, it goes by multiple names. Koichi's cool because his stand has three different forms, but it holds down the car. And then uh, Koichi, he gets into Giorno's car, and uh, he, he misses Giorno, but he sees an egg that then turns into, that hatches into a frog. Uh, <laughs> The frog. I already forgot about the frog. That was that was wild. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh shit, where did my suitcase go?" I wonder. Um, and of course, the frog is the suitcase. 
Again, yeah. this fucking going, going series. Back, going back to Journal's ability, right? Um, yeah, man. It was cool. I, I, I love. I, I actually see. I didn't know that Koichi was um, in prior seasons. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> but I loved his energy. He was, he's supposed to be Japanese, right? Like he's supposed to be from Japan. Yeah, he's from Japan. He's uh, okay. from the town of Morio, which is where Part Four is set. Um, okay. Which is cool. So yeah, we see in Giorno's wallet that he has a photo of his father Dio with Dio's back turned, showing the Joe Star star. <laughs> Um, here's the thing about Dio, uh, in part three, it is discovered that, uh, Dio Brando had cut off the head of Jonathan Joestar, who is the, the original Jojo and Dio's, uh, Dio's head who had been, uh, decapitated in a, in a battle with Jonathan, uh, it was still living because he's a vampire man. So he took over the body of Jonathan Joestar and, uh, all the Joestar members have, uh, stars on their back. So Dio is the plot plot thickens even further. So that's why Giorno Giovanna is important because he is both the son of Dio, but he also has the blood of a Joe star. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get the sense that Giorno is like a very larger than life character right off the bat. And like, even the way that people reference him of like having this ability to like have people like him. Right. And, um, his like kind of power over people. I mean, despite the fact that he's like 15 years old, but like, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous in my mind. It's like one of the few, like few, uh, like uh, the criticism that I had about the show. I'm like, why, why does some of these anime shows like make like a 15 year old look like he's 30? But anyways, I digress. Um, but like Gio, like journal, like, like his character, his character does seem like very competent and very like heavy as like a, a as an importance to the show. Like you, you, you get the sense that everything revolves around him. Right. Yeah. Uh, we learn in a brief flashback that uh, Giorno uh, earlier had black hair when he has black hair. He does look younger though. The black haired photo does look closer to like a 15 year old. I feel. Yeah. Was that uh, before he got like the, the three part cannonball kind of blonde haircut? Yeah. It yeah. Looks like he could shoot projectiles from the, from his hair. And it, it's kind of implied that, uh, the full manifestation of his stand abilities are what caused that physical change. Interesting. Okay. Um, so uh, Joe Chiro name drops the Speedwagon Foundation, and he says the Speedwagon Foundation will provide a genetic analysis to prove uh, Giorno's connection to the Joe Stars and Dio. And then, yeah, Koichi, he confronts Giorno again. They have a little stand battle. Um, Giorno is able to like dodge some of Koichi's abilities by uh, trans transmuting a tree so he can like kind of get the jump on him and then koichi calls jotaro and reports to him and this is where jotaro reveals that giorno is the son of dio brando which if you're a longtime viewer again i jumped you in it's not supposed to it's not a bummer that you don't realize this because again you're missing a lot of context but yeah, if you're i have none of that but okay i'm i'm, I'm along for the listen, ride keep going the fact that you were <laughs> the fact that you were along for the ride despite missing four previous arcs tells you the quality of it i feel I, it does. I was just taking it all in. I'll be honest. I, I found it crazy. Like I, I found it absolutely strange. Um, but I, w- I was enjoying it. So like, yeah, even without the context, I was kind of like, I was kind of enjoying the ride. But yeah, if you're, if you're a fan, you're like, Oh my God, he is the son of Dio. What the fuck? What's what an interesting mm-hmm. twist. I'm going to um, have to go back and watch all this now. Thanks man. You, you opened Pandora's box. Shit. Oh man. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think, <laughs> 
I think part one of JoJo isn't very good. I think it's a struggle for a lot of people. Um, Should it's I start only not- at three? You can start at three. I think even part two is good. The, th- the, the good thing about part one is it's only nine episodes, so you can get through it in an afternoon. Okay. So it's just like, and even the author admitted, he was like, I don't really like the character of Jonathan that much. I like Dio more, which is why Dio got to continue. Okay. Um, Dio's, a, Dio's a bastard. Dio fucking sucks, uh, but in a fun way. Um, anyways, on a... Su- Golden Wind would describe it a bastardo. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, on a subway, Giordano meets uh, Bruno Bucciarotti, and Bruno asks him if he were to find a bag with a billion lire, would he turn it in? And he and Giordano's response is, "Finders keepers, yo." Bruno poses a question: If he was an undercover cop, what would Giordano do? And Giordano says he'd let the cop take half because you know that's the world we live in. The uh, the police are corrupt in this world. Uh, and Bruno he appreciates the honesty. And he says, oh, yeah. have you ever noticed? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> he, uh, Bruno says, uh, have you ever noticed people sweat when lying? But what's important is the taste of the sweat. And uh, oh my God, Bru- Bruno with his love of sweat. So he says he's here to investigate what happened to leaky-eyed Luca. Giorno denies involvement. And thanks to his lack of perspiration, he's in the clear. But then uh, Giorno finds an eye in his fist and Bruno... <laughs> Bruno licks him, and he tastes the sweet tang of a liar. Which leads to, um, Which lead- if I remember correctly, a small a, a confrontation. A little confrontation, yeah. Giorno, he vomits out Luca's fingers, and Giorno's body <laughs> begins to unzip literally. His world is yeah. unraveling. Again, man, you know, you're seeing Giorno's powers, and then you're seeing what... Um, Bruno can do again. What was your reaction to just this fight? Because I think this fight is like you're like okay, Leaky Eye Luca, he's taken down. But now you're like Bruno. Well, yeah. So that's that's kind of like like earlier I said like I had felt that this Leaky Eye Luca character was going to be something of a of a major importance to the show to the, to the season, right? But then he he's gone, and Bruno starts like talking the journal about it. And then suddenly you see like like the power scale of Bruno, and you're like, oh, this guy is something now, right? And I I don't like when I first saw him, like I got I got villainous vibes from him. Uh, I guess it turns out that he wasn't really that. Um, but but I did feel like that essentially, like especially even with his stand, there was like a it feel it felt like there was a lot of pressure going on. It was like it was a pressure cooker situation where like anything could happen i was like okay this is like do or die for journal and like even journal seemed to like be going through the gauntlet a little bit dealing with bruno so anyways episode two we get a bit of backstory so while most of dio's conquests uh were killed conquest meaning like the the women he was banging uh giorno's mother was someone special but sadly giorno's mother was also a floozy and he was left she was the job she was japanese right he wa- she was Japanese, so yeah, Giorno is half Japanese, half um, I guess I guess English because Dio Dio yeah. was English in the Victorian era. <laughs> I wanted to specify that he wasn't like because they they like some minor characters said he wasn't Italian, right? Like he wasn't from there, um, but but like he so he's like half English, I guess, half Japanese, living in Naples, doing a thing. Yeah. It's easy to forget what Dio was because, again, Dio, Dio at that point is an immortal vampire man. Does he even have nationality or, like, 
whatever the fuck yeah, he is. He's a vamp. <laughs> he's a vampire. Um, <laughs> so yeah, his mother, uh, Giorno's mother, she married an Italian man when Giorno was four, so they moved to Italy. Yeah. And his stepfather was a bad man. He beat him heavily. And when yes. Giorno... When Giorno was a child, he met an injured man and he covered for him. And his his stand had like it wasn't fully awakened, but it was like kind of doing its work. It like covered the man up while um some other thugs were trying to kill him. Yeah. And that was so that was super cool, by the way. I love this. I mean, I don't want to yeah. give away I don't want to give away things, but this this man is dope. Uh this man, he paid Giorno back by keeping him safe with his mafia connections. And he treated Giorno as a real man, not as a child. And he gave I, Giorno. I don't know if we're supposed to do like spoilers or anything here. Like, I, I don't want to like step on that. But I found I found it like kind of cool, like how along the way they kind of did it like in small little vignettes. Like you show that man kind of watching over Giorno. That was really yeah. cool. And that man, I'll just say, like, it's not even it's not a spoiler because um, you never know that man's identity. It's not like a big plot point. It's just part of the backstory. Um, it's dope. Yeah, uh, I think that's the fun thing about like any anime series. I think One Piece does this really well too, where you beat a character and then you kind of get the backstory episode. And we get that uh, a couple times in throughout these six episodes, which is cool, where it's like, okay, here's our origin story detour. And so you, you get these fun little short stories, which is nice. But yeah, this man, he paid Giorno back by keeping him safe with the mafia connections. And he treated Giorno as a real man, not as a child. And he gave Giorno the ability to trust. And the man tried to keep Giorno safe from the mafia world itself, but uh, didn't quite succeed there. <laughs> so a small child tries to kill the man, but Giorno's ability, it's implied, um, kept the gun from going off. So I like these little hints that Giorno's ability is like still working even when he's like a kid. Yeah, or it's at least getting primed until he has like full control of, like, of, of, of understanding how it works. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the narrator says this man guided Giorno on a path of righteousness. And then, yeah, we, we continue our fight between Giorno and Bruno. They fight to a standstill. So Bruno books it by zipping out of the subway. Again, I, I love the literal terms. It's like he literally zips away because he's yeah. got zipper powers. <laughs> uh, super cool. Yeah. Um, and he's able to zip himself into a bystander um, who is like a 13-year-old heroin addict. <laughs> again with the teenage stuff right yeah that kid did not look 13 he looked like fucking like 20 year old wasteoid or something that's what i'm saying man like 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 these characters you just gotta add 10 years 10 years like like journal's 25 and the heroin kid's 23 Un unless it's a female character in which you remove remove 10 because anime is creepy yes <laughs> um 100 yeah okay um that's funny so this is another fun uh, thing. Uh, Giorno transmuted um, Bruno's broken tooth into a housefly, and the housefly was compelled to return uh, to Bruno. So miss, it's it's hard. It's crazy even saying that out loud. A missing piece this of a man's fly, body. Like the, 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 the amount of fly like involvement because there's the fly. There's a fly in episode six as well. This fly yeah. is a reoccurring thing. Anyways. It's a hey man, if you got a good technique, you better use it. Uh, fly, fly skill works. Um, and I, I just wrote in my notes, all this stuff makes sense. <laughs> okay, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It totally makes sense that a broken tooth can turn into a fly, which then is compelled to return to uh, the owner of the broken tooth. Uh, totally uh, normal thing. Giorno, he rips off his own unzipped hand to punch Bruno. And then uh, they continue their fight. And then Giorno tells Bruno that Bruno's hesitation to hit Giorno when he saw the unconscious 13, 13-year-old addict uh, proved to Giorno that he was an honorable man. Yeah. Yes. That's all you can say. Just, yeah. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> that's pretty much the, like, that's, that's what I thought too. I got the end of it. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a, I guess that's a, a reasonable thing. Um, and yeah, Giorno, he says he knows Bruno's boss is the drug peddler and Giorno tells Bruno of his goal to become head of the syndicate and run things his own honorable way. And Bruno will be joining him in this quest, which sets off the arc of the series, which is for uh, Giorno to become the head of the syndicate. And that's going to take us throughout the next uh, 37 episodes of this arc. Which is the first major gripe <laughs> that I had. Because, anyways, a half-Japanese dude would never become the major uh, leader of an of a, of a Italian mafioso syndicate. Well, but not if he had these really powers, important. though. <laughs> yeah, it's these- true. Most most mobsters don't have, like, uh, stands that follow them in real in the real world. So I could suspend... Uh, my 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 beliefs for uh, for a few minutes, I suppose. And, and uh, you know, listen, th- this this series is similar to other anime in the sense that uh, Giorno's powers will get a power up towards the end of the arc, and it will be very cool, and it uh, will be about as nonsensical as you would expect from JoJo. Uh, the the what his level up is is not a linear level up. It is like. How how did you go from transmutation to this? I I don't know, but sure. <laughs> uh, that's my hint uh, for events to come. But yeah, Bruno, he agrees in episode three to this plan, but he says he'll be forced to cut ties if word of Giorno's intent comes out. And like episode three and four are basically their own little arc. It's like the pull-pull arc. So I... Uh, which, which I absolutely loved. I might not. Like, I, I love this character. I don't know what it was about him. I'm glad. Yeah. I was almost like tempted to jump ahead because I knew he would do six episodes and I I would have loved if we had more time with the other characters like Mista, Fugo, and uh, Narantia. But the thing is, is this show kind of operates in in two episode fight arcs effectively. And And I'll uh, just say something about that real quickly. Like I love how like some of... Some of these names, man, like are things you'll find on an Italian menu. Mista, like a Mista salad, <laughs> right? Or like one, I, 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 am I wrong? Is there a character? I'm pretty sure there's a character named Risotto. Yes, there is. <laughs> it's, a, it's an Italian rice dish. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go into that, but that's hilarious to me anyways. Yeah, man. It's, and also like, um, it, it may not be as obvious, but um, because in the dub, unfortunately, they have to change the name of the stands. But the stands in the original Japanese are all named after like songs and bands. So like, um, what is it? Uh, the, the stand of Bruno is called Sticky Fingers. Uh, Golden Wind is called Gold Experience, which is the uh, Prince album. Um, Narantia, we don't get to see Narantia's uh, stand, but it's like a little... Uh, it's like a, a little uh, airplane bomber, and it's called Aerosmith. Uh, Mistas, uh, which is like six uh, gremlin demons that live in his gun, are called Sex Pistols. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, Fugo stand is called Purple Haze. So, yeah, man. 
That's that's fantastic. Uh, there is a stand called White Album, which is like a, a villain who has like a, a, a frost based uh, armor. So, um, yeah, man, I could just go on and on about the stand names again. Like Dio is named after Ronnie James Dio. Really? Yeah. They're all, and again, uh, the Speedwagon Foundation is named after the uh, the band REO Speedwagon. I, which is a fantastic band, I might add. I was just watching a, a Cobra Kai episode where Danny Russo starts singing that song, and I was I burst out laughing. It's it, it's it's a it's a great it's a great band, but I I had no idea there was that connection in this in this either. I I could go on. There's there's so many chapters. Um, there's a there's a stand called Foo Fighters in Part Six. Um, <laughs> wow. So That's again, because, because the series is still ongoing, like there's st- still new bands. Uh, fuck, I'm pretty sure there's a Lady Gaga stand, or named after one of her. Uh, oh yeah, Born This Way is a stand. So yeah, there is a Lady Gaga stand. There's the Born This Way stand. Yeah, man. I, what did I get? What did I? What'd you get me into, man? I'm gonna have to start from. I'm. I'm starting. I'm gonna start this thing from the beginning. Dude, yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun, man. If you're I, I know for some people, because I have friends who have bailed on JoJo because it's just too much, but if you're in on it, it's so fucking fun, man. Um, you're in for the fucking it, ride. Yeah, it's silly, it's stupid, but fuck, man, it, it's creatively so. And it's in on the joke, too. It knows it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, so anyways, let's talk Popo. He's an obese capo who lives in a prison cell, and he's so obese that he takes up half of it. And he also, when we first see him, he, he's a bed, and he just transforms. Which was absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he takes up at least like, maybe not half, but he takes up a good third quadrant of that like cell. Yeah. When we first meet him, he's a big boy. Um, and he's got it made. He's got wine, TV, video games, and weapons. Like he's got grenades in his cell. <laughs> Which is like a funny trope. You know what I really appreciated about this like, this show is the way that they played to the mafia type trope in a unique way, right? Like this idea of like gangsters having it made in prison is not, this isn't the first time I've seen this, right? I've seen this in things like the good in Goodfellas where, where like three or four of the main characters uh, do a, uh, a sentence in prison and they're they're having meats delivered to their like uh, to their prison cell, right? And they have like special privileges. So like I I like seeing Popo's like um kind of like situation as like a high ranking mafioso was in jail was pretty cool. Um. So yeah. Uh. What is it? Uh. Popo gives Giorno a quest. This is a quest for for Giorno to to oh, to get in the lighter quest. The lighter quest that was insane. Uh, is, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting excited. Uh, a seemingly simple quest. He just has to take this lighter and, and keep it, uh, keep its fire on uh, for the next 24 hours, and then the the series proceeds to give uh, Giorno a bunch of uh, silly obstacles. Um, so yeah, the cops try to pat him down, so Giorno has to uh, transmute the lighter as a flower, and then. I fucking love this gag. We're like, there's just like a bunch of like uh, uh, athletes. They're just like making a human pyramid, and they're like, "Hey, Giorno, can you take a photo of us?" Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Well, and the then, whole the whole lighter thing. You know what? The show did a really good job of like with the whole lighter thing, especially because like Popo like 
made it so he downplayed it so much to journal right like he says like oh you should be able to do this it's not like if you actually have conviction in what you're doing like you should be able to do this with no problem right but if you don't then like there will be consequences in terms of your involvement with us and then they proceed to make this guy go through an absolute fucking gauntlet to like keep his flame alive right and and i as a as a viewer I really actually felt the pressure. I thought it was really good writing. I felt the pressure of this whole keep the flame going from this stupid little lighter. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like there's this old janitor man. He's like, hey, Giorno, can you help me carry these things? And then poor, yeah, poor janitor guy. Yeah, I know. Poor janitor man. And then Giorno, he goes to his apartment. He finally he places the lighter in like a piece of bread. I don't know why it had to be in a piece of bread. I didn't understand that part. Um <laughs> I'm just like, all yes. right. Um, but then Koichi okay, is like, on. Koichi is like yes. trying to investigate because Koichi still needs his passport because Giorno <laughs> forgot to return it. And then, um, so again, the logic in here. Uh, what is it? Uh, he transmutes a snake to turn the lamp cord. Uh, no, he transmutes a lamp cord into a snake to grab the bread, which is where the lighter is in. That's a sentence I just said. And yeah. then. Pretty much. Koichi, he finds his passport, and then uh, the janitor is the one who ends up pointing out the flame, but then the janitor notices there's still fuel, and he gets I the lighter. Almost feel like I'm all, I almost feel like I'm at a, a freaking disadvantage just watching the show and having to do this episode, because like, like, like I, I come at things from a pretty like logistic perspective when I'm watching a show, and this thing just throws so much shit at you. That like trying to recollect the events of any given episode is is difficult, right? Because of like snakes and bread, bro. <laughs> like like wild. I think I think the the magic of JoJo's writing and storytelling is that all the all the fights and little arcs are puzzles. I think that's what makes it fun. I'm writing that one down. Yeah, all they're the puzzles. Fights are puzzles. Yeah, it's again, it's not like Goku having to just get a new power up so he can defeat the bad guy or whatever. It's like they, these characters have very specific abilities and they have to use their abilities uh, to to the most specific intent to defeat another foe who was, also has these very specific abilities. And, you know, it's, yeah. they're almost like playing chess because they're like, OK, uh, this game, I'm I'm playing checkers and you're playing fucking Yahtzee and we've got to somehow uh uh, find find yeah. a winner, and you find see, a... and you see you see that in that episode with uh, the shadow stand. You yeah. also see yeah. it later on with the like in the sixth episode with the boat, the boat situation. Yeah, it's like these like counter attack kind of micro specific situations where the stands have to react in a certain way. It's really cool. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, this one punches harder than the other one. It's like, yeah, yeah, they have yeah, to interact in very specific ways and counter each other in very specific ways. And sometimes they're bullshit, but who cares? It's like the story. Is the rest, the, of, is the rest of the show like that? Like, like the other seasons? Yep, basically. It's just like, that's, that's, that's it's cool. I like it. I, 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 I fuck with that. Like, I don't know why, but it's something I, I that resonated with me. I thought it was cool. I think I think you'll notice, particularly within um, parts one and three. I think part two is better at it because it maximizes the Hamon ability. But in part one, he's just coming up with the, the concept of Hamon. It's not super interesting. And then in part three, he's figuring out um, what stands even are. Like I said earlier, they're kind of basic at first. 
They're like, okay, this is the water stand, this is the fire stand, whatever. And then around the second half of that season, it becomes like, oh, this guy, uh, this guy's stand is a gambling stand. And so how do I, you know, outsmart the gambling stand or some shit like that? So it just keeps getting more and more specific. Yeah, and in, in part four, even because it's in a small town, um, the battles aren't even like say um, there are villains, but it's not like they're killing the villain every episode. Like some yeah. of them are just like, oh, this person got a stand ability and it corrupted them, and then they become a recurring part of the the story arc still. So that, again, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, one guy is a manga Arthur and. Um, his ability lets him uh and we actually covered this on the the podcast when we did part four because it was such a great episode his his stand ability is that he can open people up like a book and write specific rules in into themselves so it's like if this person punches me they'll get punched back or some shit like that well it's really cool right it's like i i find this stuff kind of fa- like fascinating because like i mean clearly like this this season i mean yeah. and from what you're suggesting like the show at large, each season has a bit of an arc, right? Like it definitely has like something that that happens from episodes one to like eight or nine, whatever, where there's a journey, right? But because of the stand abilities, it it, it almost could be like it could be like an almost like an episode of the week kind of situation, and where like a character just comes across person with a new stand, right? Like that's it, it opens up so many like possibilities for the writers. It's a really cool, like, device that they use. Yeah, I mean, this this arc is very similar to Part 3. Part 3 is a road trip where they're going across Egypt in order to, to finally defeat Dio. But again, Dio has all these different assassins. So, like, okay, yeah. they, they arrive at this port and there's a new assassin or something. And so on mm. and so forth until the arc ends. And then, you know, the last five episodes are maybe more serialized because it reaches the Dio portion. Um, likewise with this, as they discover who the real mafia boss is, it becomes more serialized, but yeah, for sure. It's, it's a very episodic structure where it's like, Hey, they have to get to this one location. Oh, they've stumbled upon this one area. And uh, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. It's like, I mean, a lot of real, a lot of good episodics, like, like do that, not just in anime, but in general, right? Like they have a bit of an overarching arc, you know, like 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 structure, like story that they're trying to tell, but in each episode they introduce um episode of the week kind of challenges of the of the episode format, which I find really cool and seems like this is something maybe that they do in JoJo. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's a great structure clearly. Anyways, so we come across a stand which is Pulpo stand. It's called Black Sabbath uh officially. <laughs> I'm not there sure you go it- back to the names again. Yeah, uh, Black, such a good fucking name. Uh, Black so Sabbath good. kills the janitor. It takes his soul. I'm um, fuck RIP janitor. Uh, just oh, after the janitor. That was brutal. It was brutal. I know. The janitor rules. He got the lighter working, for God's sakes. Yeah, he, he did. He did. Um, Poor so yeah. janitor. Rest in peace. So yeah, Black Sabbath in episode four, he grabs uh, Golden Wind and tries to pierce it with a stand arrow. And uh, Giorno deduces that, yeah. Black Sabbath moves through the shadows. So again, it's a puzzle. This the stand moves through the shadows and now it's getting dark. So eventually it's going to have more power as the battle goes on. Uh, and they so, had to expose it to the sunlight. Yeah. For so an extended duration. So yeah, he gets the jump on it. He turns a handrail into weeds to reveal sunlight on Sabbath. But then Sabbath gets the jump on them by hiding in the shadows of crows. Again, so such specific stuff. 
Yeah. Um, and in like in like a quarter of a second with the cover of the shadow from the birds, the crows, it, you manage to uh, like launch an attack, which is so specific and so like time spe- so time specific. Yeah, uh, Koichi uses uh, his stand reverb act three to hold um, uh, Black Sabbath to the ground. And this is also Koichi's stand that he used at the very beginning of these episodes. So it kind of brings that back. And then Giorno, he finally uses Golden Wind to destroy a tree, which causes Black Sabbath to take the full brunt of the sun, and it is burned to smithereens. And uh, this is funny because I I, I thought there was a plot hole here because I'm like, wait, the... The stand is destroyed, but that should mean that Popol is dead because as a viewer of JoJo, I, I know that most stand fights, when the stand is killed, the user's killed. But then Koichi they even... Like they had like some workaround where they said it was like a remote stand or something like that. So here's the thing. <laughs> I, I like that they re- I like that, that line comes up the second I am thinking of the, the supposed plot hole because Koichi is like, yeah, long-range stands act independently long from... Long-range range- stands. That's yeah. right. That's, that's, that's what they called it. Yeah. So uh, the long-range ones act independently from their user, which means Popol is fine. And he's like, oh yeah, Popol might even know, not even know what his stand is doing. He doesn't even know what's fine. going on. Yeah. yeah. So uh, short-range stands, those are the ones where you, you have to be careful in your fights. And then Can I ask uh, you a question like what? is is do they allude to like does Giorno or like Bruno or uh Kochi like like are all of their stands short term like 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 short range? Yeah, all the lead characters have short range stands. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I think it's also probably just to make them more vulnerable too. Okay. Anyway, so as Polpo drinks his wine, Giorno transmutes something. And uh, Koichi, after the whole fight, he calls Jotaro up and he tells him that Giorno has a heart of gold and he has the determination of the Stars in his veins. And then Koichi, Koichi uh, hangs up on uh, Jotaro and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm long overdue for some sightseeing. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the end of Koichi's story for now. I think that's the last appearance he actually makes. Actually, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, he's just—he gets I like enjoy- his character. I, I, like, I—that's I, kind of disappointing a little bit. I actually really like his character. He's always—he's always seems panicked. Yeah, I mean, he's a lead character in part four, so you get a ton of him there. Okay, but yeah, it's like a nice little thing. He gets to enjoy his Italy trip. Um, but then here's how I put this: Giorno's heart may not be that golden as it's revealed, and I fucking love this moment. This is why I picked these episodes. Uh, it's revealed he transmuted a gun into a banana as revenge for Popo for killing uh, the old man. And then we all saw the, how that turned out. Dude, that's a fucking Brutal. Godfather ass ending, man, isn't it? The Brutal. way the gun. Oh yeah, it's... and the blood you... fucking splurts. Oh, sorry, I, I, I'm not like ruining it. Am I like? No, you're saying it's happened. Happened. Yeah, okay. Okay. Like blood all over the. F- that was wild. That was sick. That was actually one of the coolest, in my opinion, like reveals in the whole like six episode arc that I watched. Yeah, that's why I kept. Because again, like I said, I was tempted to maybe cut these two and and give it to the other cast members, but I couldn't because it's such a Godfather ass moment. You know, yes. where the plant. You know, Giorno is stone cold. Giorno may have the determination of the Joe stars in his veins, but he's also Dio's son, so he's a bit more morally gray. You know. Well, it seems that Giorno, like, like, is one of those classic. I I don't know if I'd qualify him as an anti-hero, right? He he's uh, more heroic than you? that. 
Would you? Or he's more heroic, I think, than that. But if you fuck with this guy, like, he's not above, you know, in this case, doing something to you. Yeah. No, he's got a strong... He's got a strong sense of justice. Um, Jotaro, um, in fact, uh, speaking speaking of uh, characters with strong sense of justice, Jotaro's appearance, it's it's less apparent in these parts, but in part three, Jotaro looks, Jotaro, who's supposed to be 17, looks like he's in his 40s, and he was modeled after Clint Eastwood. Jeez, Again, man. Um, if you, <laughs> Pretty hairy, uh, except he's still in high school. Yeah, man. If you look up uh, Stardust Crusaders and look up those character designs, just Google it. You'll be like, these characters do not look like 17-year-olds. But, hey, man. It's, it uh, was the style funny. of the time. Hey, man. It's, it's animation. It's manga. It's, it's drawing. It's an anime obsession with youth, I think. <laughs> like, you know. But it's, it's funny because most anime, I think, uh, do prefer, like, younger characters. But then, like Iraqi is was at the time when he was writing parts one through three, he was inspired by manga like Fist of the North Star, where the characters were very roughneck. And then towards the '90s, more slender characters became popular, and that's kind of why the art shifts. But you know, okay. yeah, I mean, he, he he's an artist. You'll notice the characters are are like muscle men in, in the first three arcs, and then they become more slender subsequently. Anyways. Uh, so, episode five, Popol's death reverberates throughout Italy. Two gangsters uh, speculate about where Popol's hidden stash could be. And, uh, yeah, both of these two gangsters will become enemies. Massive, the massive. It was like, how, how many lira was it? It was like, a, it was a lot. It was like 10 billion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is where we get our introduction to, to the Joe Bros. The Joe Bros of this arc. We see Narantia. He's doing homework. Fugo helps him yeah. out. Mista they freaks almost, out. They almost stab each other. <laughs> well, that's. I love these characters so much because yeah, Narancia. Narancia is older than um, Giorno. He's like Narancia is seventeen, but he like looks like a child. So yeah, his, he's, he's like, "How old are you?" And he's like, "I'm 15. He's like, "Ha! You two years younger than I am." I'm, I'm like, "You look like you're like 18, and like Giorno's like 10 years older than you." But anyways. Oh, Narancia could easily pass for like 14, 15. He's like, you know, a yeah. small, he's small, uh, clearly has a learning disability because he doesn't know his times tables. What, what was the, what was the, multi, what was the times table? It was like 16 times like eight or something. And uh, yeah. like the number, it was completely off. His number was like 28. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, doesn't Again. know his multiplication. Again, uh, you don't get to see Narancia's fights in the episodes we cover, but Narancia's whole uh, thing is that he's just really dumb. So he's got like a really good ability, which is like a little uh, uh, bombing, uh, you know, airplane bomber, which could be great, but he's an idiot and he gets worked up really easily. So he just struggles in fights. Uh, you know, stupidity, yeah. is a re- stupidity is a character flaw. So he, Iraqi yeah. is using the character flaws. Why not? Be a little bit dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fugo's power is great. Fugo is a neat freak, but then his stand is actually uh, creates a poisonous smoke. So it's like the opposite of what he is. Um, and yeah, Mista is just like a gunman. He's a he's just a total you know thug. So he just has bullets. Um, but yeah, Mista he freaks out when he sees four pieces of cake, and he says four is unlucky. And he's like, why couldn't they have given us five slices or three slices? What the fuck? Um, and then, yeah, like I said, uh, Narancia, he finishes his homework and it's wrong. And then Fugo stabs him with a fork and then they, they get into a fight. 
And then there's like that um, the introductory uh, like introduction scene between uh, Bucciolati. Yeah. And and Giorno and then that crew, right? This is we're talking about the same like point here, yeah. right? Yeah, um, this is their introductory scene, yeah. And then the and then the notorious T bit, which yeah. was which was awesome. Yeah, so uh Leone Abacchio, he pisses into a pot of tea and he serves it to Giorno and uh Bruno comes over to Giorno and Giorno's like, you know, he stares at all of them in the eye and he just drinks the tea. And they're like, drink it straight up. Does it? Like, oh, he like, guzzles it. Takes it in one gulp. Complete uh, big dick energy, man. There's like not a care in the world. And he has like that that octopus tooth or something. Uh, that, yeah, like absorbed it. Or so the jellyfish. Trans- yeah, he transmuted his tooth into a jellyfish to absorb the piss. And they're like, Which bro, you a ninety-eight percent absorption rate. Yeah. Uh, Still 2% of pee, which is more than I would care to drink. <laughs> yeah, but but still a, a pretty impressive flex. Yeah, uh, and it impresses them indeed. They're all like, okay, Giorno's fucking cool. We love this guy. <laughs> yeah, and Bruno, and Bruno notices it, right? Oh, yeah. He even, like, even, like, his, like, the, the narration from his perspective notices that, right? And, and, and comments on it in, like, in his internal kind of dialogue. Yeah, uh, so Bruno, he takes the team on a yacht to get Polpo's 10 billion lire fortune. Uh, Narancia, Fugo, and Misto are then taken down by a mysterious enemy stand. Uh, Giorno uses his fly trick to search for Narancia, but then even he gets taken down by the stand. So we're like, wait, what the fuck? What's going on? Is she, what's going on? Is this like some attack on Titan shit? Is the, are the heroes already dead? Uh, cliffhanger time. It is time for Abakio. Uh, to take the lead and we reach episode six folks we're nearing the end backstory for leone abacchio uh did i pronounce that right fuck that's, that's a hard one i mean you could say abacchio or abaccio it doesn't really matter okay i did did better than i expected they said abaccio i think i think i could be wrong okay anyways his backstory he was a police officer who became disillusioned as criminals constantly walked free and he was an honest cop, but lost everything after taking a bribe from a thug who then went on to kill his partner, which caused him to leave law enforcement and join Passione. Uh, yeah, we didn't mention <laughs> Passione. <laughs> Fantastic. I know, man. That's, that's the gang name. It's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, that, whole cop, uh, that whole cop sequence, I might add, before we like move on from that was really yeah. cool. Like like the scene with his partner dying and yeah. then and then like having to confront that that guy um in the in that apartment and you know kill him was 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 a really cool sequence. Yeah, they get to deal with a little bit of film noir stuff. It's dope. It was. It was. Again, th- th- this is just like good good storytelling when you're like, hey, this is an episodic, uh somewhat episodic series, so you know, it's time for the the origin of the week for this character who's kind of our star. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, Abascio he uses his stand, which which originally was called Moody Blues, uh, to replay the crime scene. And this is like th- this stand reminded me of like Detective Vision from the Batman Arkham games. Oh, the, the, yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a that's a cool comparison. That's a that's yeah. really cool. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe they they were inspired by the the manga. <laughs> I doubt, I doubt it, but who knows? Um, yeah, it's cool. He gets to like replay the crime scene. Um, so he gets to like track down uh, where Narancia was at the time. 
and it, but it has like a limit. It has like a five, it can only go five minutes in the past. So again, it, these are all puzzles. They're all using their abilities to, to uh, their maximum ability. Anyways, it's revealed that the stand deflates its victims' bodies and it turns their skin rubbery like a condom and the enemy itself is also rubber. Uh, the stand ends up taking Abashio down too. Bruno confronts the stand and floods the yacht and Abakio, it turns out, had let himself get caught because he revealed where the stand user is by using blood to trace his location. And it turns out there were two boats all along. Uh, Bruno flooded the yacht because it turns out the, the yacht was the stand, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> sure, guys. Super, sure, yeah. Super trippy, like, like plot like <laughs> I, I, yeah i mean it all worked out at the end i was like okay it makes sense right yeah. <laughs> and i might add just you know taking it back a second like the, the whole deflating thing was slightly traumatic like because this show does a fantastic job of making you think that one of the characters you like is about to die yeah. right only for them not to die because he like he then touches them he's like oh he still has a pulse <laughs> right and the guy even though he's deflated he looks like a like a he looks like a dehydrated mango right like but like you know he's still alive uh and then yeah the episode ends with bruno decapitating the user i'm so sad we didn't cover episode seven because it features a great sequence called the torture dance um yeah if Don't you just look for me i'm gonna watch it yeah no it's dope man it's a dope <laughs> follow-up man it's super awesome it's it's a trippy ass scene but again it's jojo you're in for that um that that wraps up the six episodes we're discussing um so i think um let's get into our favorite segment i will cue the music allow me to elucidate ya the name is robert eo speedwagon Uh, yeah, you're not going to hear it. It's uh, uh, That comes okay. in the edit. <laughs> okay. uh, so for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character or minor character, whatever you want to call it, of this batch of episodes. I'll go first just so Anthony can have a bit more time to think. My Speedwagon is the nameless man who inspired Giorno. Uh, I think he's a cool character. I think it's neat that, you know, I, I think like, newer series would like try to over explain things or tie it in but no this is just some random gangster who inspired giorno to be a better man and, you know just a a cool manly gangster dude who who tried to do the right thing he tried to put giorno on the straight and narrow uh did not quite work out since uh giorno has a different sense of justice but i i'd still like to say uh giorno made that man proud whoever he may be or who knows? Maybe maybe the man is dead because you know he was a gangster. And they don't have they don't have a maybe. long life, you know. Uh, okay. What about you? What qualifies as a small character? It can like, be anyone as long as it's maybe not Giorno or um, Bruno. Okay, well, I would say if it's like like a, like a smaller character that has some weight to them, literally, Popo. Like yes, that's a good speed wagon. Love the character. And if it's like an even smaller character, the janitor, because the janitor has this warmth to him. He's just a good guy, you know? And 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 his untimely demise, it's like acts as a catalyst to drive the story forward. And I I just I you know, I really like that guy. 
Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Giorno would have uh, treated Polpol a bit better had he not killed the janitor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think the janitor is a great speed wagon. And yeah, Polpo is a great speed wagon because, yeah, they're mm-hmm. both fun little characters. Yeah, I mean, Polpo's exit is so fucking good. It's just such an <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. That was awesome. You know, you're you're watching these episodes play out. You're now 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 at this point with um the uh the yacht stand or whatever, the condom stand, whatever you want to fucking call it. Now we're into the part where it becomes, you know, the kind of episodic road trip. But those first four episodes are very much an arc of, you know, Giorno revealing his plans and us getting to know Giorno and what he stands for. And you know, his uh his brand of justice is maybe not quite as clear cut <laughs> uh as some people may think. Yeah. I think I think we're ready to wrap it up. Let's get into final thoughts. I'll go. Um, yeah, I've done multiple JoJo episodes on this podcast. I think that tells you <laughs> what I think of JoJo. I think uh, Golden Wind's a fantastic part. I really enjoyed rewatching it. It holds up. Again, I, th- I think he, we had a really good discussion, Anthony, and maybe even a discussion in a way that other our other episodes of JoJo c- couldn't get into of just the intricacies of the fights. And I think that's the great thing about JoJo. Um, you know, part seven probably won't be animated for another three years optimistically. And like, that's the part that a lot of people consider to be the best part of Jojo, despite it taking place in a weird rebooted timeline. Uh, So it it just kind of tells you, this is a series where the author is like constantly, I wouldn't just say improving. Like he's like, I've got this wonderful world I've built. I've got these rules and I like to live here. And you know, it's his life's work. And, and let, let me ask you, like, 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 is this show, like, critically, is it, like, is it well-received, like, within the anime, like, community? Like, how, how do people view it? I don't think JoJo is considered, like, a, like, top 10 show ratings-wise or whatever. But, again, like, this, this series has gone on since 87. It clearly has a reputation, you know? It and, has a yeah. following. It has a following. It's not as big as, say, you know, One Piece or Dragon Ball. It's not on that level. But, again, no. the people... The people who love JoJo love it because it is, I think that's the other thing we're, we were saying. It's so specific. It's got such a specific tone. It's so fun. The fights are are intricate in a way that other shonen series aren't. You know, it's very much its own thing. And, you know, it's not for everyone. I know plenty of people who have tried to get into JoJo, you know, multiple times. And they're just like, you know what? It's, it's too cheesy for me. It's just not my thing. But But when you're into it, like it seems like you are, Anthony, it's like, you're like, you know, I you know so- that we've had conversations about anime. Yeah. Like I'm hot, I'm hot and cold with anime in general, right? Yeah. Like sometimes I don't like it, right? Um, and uh, but then you know, occasionally I come across something like this, and I I I, I don't know, man. I really like this. I I, I find that the the style of of the show, like the 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 visual aesthetic of it is fantastic i feel like the the performances are great the characters are very distinct from one another um and just just the overall arc of like the six with the six episode arc that i watched really kind of brought me on a on a crazy wacky journey man i i loved it I'll, I'll continue watching the rest of at least the golden wind one you know absolutely and golden wind's fucking awesome i think it's one of the stronger parts in the series it's, it's basically a better version of part three in my opinion um not that part three is bad i think that there's parts of you know that's the thing because each arc is so distinct it's like i may like say like hey this one's higher in my rankings but i still like everything 
I think, you know, part one's the weakest one, but again, it's only nine episodes. It's just kind of the setup of it. So it's still yeah. fun in its own way. So, you know, I'm glad that, you know, uh, the JoJo lands will continue. There's there's going to be a new part, new characters. And I think that's what makes it so fun because, you know, if you add up all the episodes, you're probably talking like maybe at this point, uh, like twenty-five episodes or something. But it doesn't feel overwhelming because you're like, no, it's like, I'm just watching a 40 episode series here and a 40 episode series here because they've got their own distinct characters, you know? Yeah, Does that no, make totally. Sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense to me. And that's like, like, so I'm actually very interested in like kind of um, maybe backtracking and uh, and and um, watching this from earlier seasons and kind of formulating an opinion. I mean, maybe it won't stack up to me, but I mean, based off what I've already watched, I think I will enjoy it. That's so. I guess, I mean, I was going to say final thoughts for you, but I guess you already kind of said them unless you got I think more. I, sum, I think I summed it up, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did, man. Uh, Anthony, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at uh, adamari at, uh, like on Instagram and Anthony Damar. Just look me up. And then, um, yeah, that's fine. That's about it. <laughs> that's Fantastic. Me. Uh, you can, as always, find me at Jack is Jack on Instagram. Only real Jack. I'm on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes anyways. So, you know, don't even worry about spelling. Just look up the show notes. Uh, find us on the pod at is this anime pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're way more active on Insta than Twitter. I don't think I've made a tweet in over a year. Um, but if you want to just give Twitter's us a follow. Yeah. A bar burner, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, that about sums it up. Uh, enjoy Jojo. Jojo's fun. We'll, we'll leave you to that. We're nearing episode 100, which is dope, but we've got a lot of fun anime to cover here. So, uh, so stay tuned, everyone. Take it easy. Thanks for having me, buddy.